Amen. Amen. So uh, that was bonus. I haven't even begun my sermon yet. And so, CG, can you come up uh, and read the scriptures that we are going to uh, focus on this morning? Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat, and they called their, with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Matthew 19, 29. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. Amen, amen. Thank you, CG. So the question that came to me and I bring to you is, what are you going to leave behind? What have you left? My presumption is that most of you that are sitting in this sanctuary, most of you that are listening to this sermon online, uh, if asked, are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Jesus? Most people would say, of course I am. Oh, yes, I am. But the question is, what have you left? See, when I read that scripture, I didn't hear Simon or Peter say to Jesus when he said, come, follow me. I didn't hear him say, hey, can you give me a few days? I got to put my boat and my net on Craigslist. You know, and, and when I think about it, I mean, he just basically, I don't know whether he even tied the boat up, but he left. The other two brothers, they left and they just left their dad on the boat fit to finish doing the work. And the question to all of us is, when Jesus calls, what are you willing to leave? 
And what I would suggest to you is that for most of us, we didn't leave stuff. We tried to take as much as we can. And you might say, well, I thought you were going to talk about Bishop Bryant. And I am. See, I've known Brian Green, Reverend Brian Green, Pastor Brian Green, now Bishop Brian Green for over 40 years. I knew him when he was in college. And the thing that I do know is that even before I knew him, there was a call that Jesus made on his life. And over these 40 years, I've seen him leave a lot of things behind. And I do remember, I think we, uh, well, I was 22, 23 years old, and he used to lead a uh, men's small group in his parents' living room. And uh, I see Brother Michael nodding his head because he was there. Uh, Elder Cameron was there. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's here today. His, his brother Kevin was there. And there were a few others. And I remember when the Lord spoke to me and said, you need to be linked to this man because I'm taking him somewhere. And I said to him in his mother's parents' living room, I said to him over 40 years ago, I said, Wherever you go, don't leave me. I'm coming with you. See, this is his 27th anniversary. I think if it's going to take him another three or another 13 years, he's going to hang in there until he accomplishes what it is that God wants him to do. Don't clap so fast, because that's not a good thing. See, we look at it as if what God has for him to do here is the apex, it's the final, it's, it's all that God has for him. But it's not. I'm here telling you it is not. And so if he has to hang here for another 13 years, that's time that's taking away for the next thing that God has for him to do. And each and every one of us here that call us a part of Pentecostal Tabernacle, 
we're the governor of that. And by governor, uh, what I will say to you, at least they're on um, small, like two cycle or, uh, or four cycle engines. Uh, there's a piece that's called the governor that uh, controls the speed of the engine. And because he's a leader, he can only move as fast as the congregation. Because he can't get across, he's a leader. He's supposed to be leading this flock. And if he crosses the finish line and he looks behind him and there's nobody there, he's failed to do his job. So if we as a congregation are only moving one mile, two miles an hour, he's got to hang in there and wait for us when, if the Lord has prepared him to be able to move at five miles, 10 miles an hour, but the congregation's only moving at two or three, that's as fast as we're gonna go. We're only gonna go as fast as the slowest member of our congregation. So here's what, here's the challenge to us. I didn't say to you, I said to us, because I'm a part of this thing too. Is one, we have to commit ourselves fully and totally to Jesus Christ. Number two, we have to commit ourselves to the word to the direction that God is given to our pastor, our leader. And if, and we may have our opinions as to what ought to be or should be, but at least in the 40 years that I've been working along his side, He's been in the word. He's never asked me or asked this congregation to do anything that is not godly, that is not biblical. And so what I want to encourage you, and hopefully Bishop's not going to be upset with me because he's going to say, you chased away my congregation. <laughs> Either... Either you have to get behind him or do him a favor and find somebody else to follow. Amen. See, there is a cost to discipleship. And Adozi, if you would, uh, if you could come up now, and you could stand right there. I'm going to come down to you. There's a cost to discipleship. See, we, when Jesus calls us, we're not necessarily prepared to leave. There are certain things in our life 
that are comfortable. And so when Jesus calls us, you could turn and face the congregation so they can see you. Oh, I wasn't, wanted you to stay down below so I don't look, <laughs> look so short. But it's all right now. You, you outed me now. So you got your comfortable things from your comfortable life before Christ that, you know what? I want to take this stuff because, you know, I don't want life to be too harsh. Then, there are other things. that we decide that we're going to take. You know, so we have the comfortable things and you know what? Whatever it is that you feel is important that you're going to need, that's what you stuff and overstuff in these bags. Now, I'm going to digress for a moment. Have you ever been traveling at the airport and you're going to check your bags and inevitably, especially if you're like, oh, man, I gotta get to, I gotta get to the gate and you're trying to check your bag and there's somebody in front of you and they knew when they booked the ticket, it says limit. 70 pounds. And, and, and their bag is clocking in at 90. All right? True story. This is Corinne and I on our way to Honduras trying to catch our flight. And there was a man, and they would say, Oh, yeah. And he's opening up, I mean, opening up the bags. You know, they were about to burst at the seam anyway. And he's taking stuff out on the floor in front of everybody. That's how we are. And, and, and the thing is, in December, I traveled for the first time uh, since the pandemic had begun. And things have changed. Now you got to be careful when you buy a ticket. It says no carry on. If you get, I said, oh, that's a good price. And then you show up at the gate like this, and they're like, mm-mm, no carry on. And what I'm saying to us this morning is when Jesus calls us to discipleship, there's no carry on. Jesus doesn't want all of your excess baggage. See, see, we're happy when, when we hear the gospel message. We get excited because, oh, I'm going off to a happy life with Jesus. And so we, we, we pack our stuff up. We get ourselves ready for the journey, okay, because this is going to be the good life with Jesus. And see, salvation is instantaneous at the moment that you accept Jesus, but it's also a process. And there's a process called sanctification 
where Jesus says, mm-mm, this comfortable stuff you got, that ain't coming. Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, you know, these friends that you have, they ain't coming either. And then you're carrying, you're still carrying all this stuff. And see, here's the problem with us. We're still carrying the stuff, and, and Jesus wants to give us an anointing. You, you, you really can't carry this. <laughs> you try, and see, that's us. We try to grab it. We try to get the, get the anointing that Jesus has for us. And then Jesus is saying, well, I'm calling you to serve others. And so I need you to carry these other people. And you can't carry them either. And Jesus is saying, we need to move quickly. And because you got 100-pound bags in each end, you're trying to run, and you cannot run. And this is us. And the pastor's saying, come on, church. We got to do this. Come on, church. There are people in our community that need to be served. And what we're doing is we're serving ourselves. It's a, thank you, Sister Naya. It's a selfish salvation. Thank you, Edozi. See, there was a German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. In 1937, he published a book called the cost of discipleship. Well, that was the English name that was given to it. The actual German name was just the following. In other words, the following, following of Jesus. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, cheap grace is to hear the gospel preached as follows. Of course, you have sinned, but now everything is forgiven so you can stay as you are and enjoy the consolations of forgiveness. The main defect of such proclamation is that it contains no demand for discipleship in contrast to costly grace. We get excited and we sing spacefully and we like to sing, Jesus paid it all. Well, you know what? There's something for you to pay too. There's a cost to you. If you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, there is a cost. And if you think that the gospel is as Dietrich Bonhoeffer described here as cheap grace. See, what has happened, especially, well, I'm saying especially in America because I've never lived anywhere else. I've only visited a few other countries. But in American society, 
the good news of the gospel has really been sold as fake news, if I can borrow that term. And there is so many lies that are circulating around in the world that we live now that even though the facts don't add up, it's sold as truth and many people buy it. And see, the God that we serve, the Lord Jesus Christ, causes us, calls us to be beacons of light, to shine the light of the gospel in those areas of darkness, exposing the lies. But it's difficult to do that when you've embraced the lie yourself. And we don't, we don't see ourselves as having embraced the lie. But we have. It's subtle. We, 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 we take it on because, see, we think of this gospel as something that has come to us because Jesus wants a better life for us. And yes, he does, but there is a cost. You have been called into the kingdom of God. You've been invited to help expand God's kingdom. The kingdom of God, from the beginning, God called man when he placed him on this earth is to push forth his kingdom. He said to Adam and Eve, he said, go throughout the earth and subdue it. Bring it under your control because he had placed them as what do you want, the governor or the prime ministers of the earth. He had put them in place to rule this earth in his stead. This gospel must be something that we realize that we're called to a life of sacrifice, a life of giving. Because as you read through the scriptures, and probably one of the most familiar scriptures uh, to all of the world, not just people in church, is John 3.16, that God so loved that he gave. And for us, our life ought to be an emulation of our Heavenly Father in loving and the way that we love is we give. And I'm going to digress again. Probably like around 20, at my 25th anniversary, you know, I was thinking to myself, you know, Roy, you're a pretty good guy. You're a pretty good husband. 
You know, you love your wife, you take good care of your children, blah, blah, blah. And I think the Lord, the Lord didn't say amen. <laughs> but thank you, Sister Naya. And the Lord listened to me. And then the Lord had me read Ephesians chapter 5 and said, so, <laughs> let me see you grade yourself on a curve here. <laughs> and, I, and I came to realize that, you know what? Yeah, I might have been better than others, but I'm not measuring up the God standard because there was, there was still in the relationship with my wife. It was too much about me and not enough about her. And too often do we forget that the gospel, it's not about you. It's about the kingdom. So the challenge I want to put to you all is how do we get this ship moving at a faster rate? I can't remember how long ago it was, but there was, Bishop Bryan did a sermon series on ships. And one of the sermons was on the fellowship. Then he also talked about how many of us, there are other types of ships, there, there are cruise ships, and many of us have gone on cruise ships. I've done them a few times and enjoyed myself. But we're not on a cruise ship. We're on a battleship. We have been invited into the army of God to fight. against the kingdom of darkness. And here at Pentecostal, let me bring this home for us here at Pentecostal Tabernacle. I was in a meeting with some of our leaders and we were talking about the challenge that we're having. Coming back and trying to get back into one service, get back eventually into two services. And one of the challenges that we have is there's not enough people to serve. There's more work than there are people that says, hey, I'm ready, I'm willing to serve. And, and I think probably because of maybe, I'm gonna blame it on the way I was raised. Um, I, I was raised, uh, my father uh, is, his theology is more Old Testament. Uh, and by this, um, and, and some of you all, when I, when, when I will describe his, his, his theory, um, is in growing up, his parental, his first parental rule to us as children was 
obey and live <laughs> or disobey and die. And I remember, and this was decades ago, one of my coworkers was, matter of fact, it was a woman that worked for me. She was complaining to me about the problems she was having with her children. I, and I was, her child, her son, I was listening to her and I says, you know, I only have an infant, at that time, I think it was, I may have only had, Crin may have been our only child then. And I said to her, I said, I'm not long a parent and your child is much older than mine, but uh, from my observation, there's, I, I, here's what I observed, there's too many choices. You give your child too many choices. I grew up and it was disobey and die or obey and live. And because I'm standing or sitting here before you, I chose to live. <laughs> and so when we were in this executive team meeting and we're discussing, I didn't want to exactly use that. You know, but I, my attitude was, you come in as a PT partner, uh, you serve. And, 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 and I'm like, you know, my ch I didn't have that kind of philosophy with my children growing up, and, and, and the only one here is Corinne, so um, you may interview her afterwards. But, <laughs> but there was an attitude of service in our household, not because they were forced to, but there was a culture. And a few weeks ago, when I was sick, I was glad that we had created a culture because without asking, my daughter was taking care of me. Amen, 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 because you know what? That was only for a few days, but I'm looking, I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm looking for at least another four decades, healthy, but should I need help? I wanna know that I've got children that are gonna serve and take care of me, not because they feel compelled to, but out of their love. And see, when I looked at the Old Testament, uh, uh, Solomon, when he was building the temple, when he was building his palace, he conscripted people. And you all probably don't know, are familiar with it. It's more of an old English type thing. But conscription, uh, or to be conscripted, is when a person has been forced to serve. And we really don't want to do this, or at least that's what the rest of the executive team said. Right, right, oh no. Put away the cat and nine tails. Uh, but but he, it says here in 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 15, he said, this is the account of the forced labor that, uh, that King Solomon conscripted to build the Lord's temple 
the royal palace and the supporting terraces and the wall. And it goes on to list all of the people that he pulled in and basically said, you've got to work. But in the New Testament, and here I'm wrapping up, Jesus says in John 15, verse 13, it says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Then he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. No longer do I call you servants, for servants don't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. And so I'm saying to you, friends, brothers and sisters, follow our pastor as he follows Christ. Let me lay down this challenge. How about if we make Bishop Bryan's 30th anniversary his banner anniversary? How about if we give ourselves to the work, to the calling that God has for this house, that he has chosen our pastor to lead us to do? What if we accomplished it in the next three years? Because, see, God has given Bishop Bryant a specific thing to do. What if we help them accomplish that in the next three years? Or four years? But does it, do we really want him to be celebrating 40 years of pastoring? I don't. I want him to be free to move on to the next thing that God has called him to do. Because there's greater things. Every time God calls you, he calls you up to another step higher, to a greater work, especially when you've done a good job at the previous thing. If you love him, you will do what he asks us to do. If you love him, you will free him to do the next thing that God wants him to do. And see, when I look at the scriptures, and even when reading this passage, there's a book called The Five Love Languages. And it seems to me, and we can debate about this over coffee or something uh, next week if you want, but it seems to me Jesus' primary love language is service. There's a lot of other things. Oh, he likes gifts. He loved it when the woman came with the alabaster box. But if you look through the 
scriptures service? Are you willing to serve him? Man, I can't get an amen if I pay for one. <laughs> I, I, and this morning I was saying, you know what? If I hear a, tell it like it is from Sister Peggy, I said, that's all I had to do. Thank you, Sister Peggy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can sit down now. So, so Father, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give the benediction. Father, I'm praying for us, your people. Lord, that if we have, when we examine our hearts, when we examine the gospel, Lord, that we have received and we're embracing, Father, if that gospel is anything else other than the true gospel, Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would compel us to return back to the foot of the cross. In the same way that if we purchased something at a store and we got home and the shoe was the wrong size or the item of clothing was the wrong color, we wouldn't hesitate to return it. And Father, Your Holy Spirit is the mirror of our souls. It examines the hearts of men, women, and children. And when he points out that the truth that we've held on to, believing it was the gospel of Christ, it was wrong. Father, give us easy passage back to the foot of the cross so we can get the real deal. Father, help us, Lord, to be a different church starting now, starting today. That, as the Apostle Paul said, we, we, we're willing and able to shed off those things that so easily beset us so that we can run the race. We, as a church, we can finish the course. and allow our senior pastor, Bishop Brian Green, to hear from you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Allow him to begin pursuing the next assignment that God has for him. Now, if you will extend your hands this benediction is taken from Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with every good thing to do 
his will. And may he accomplish in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. And all of God's people say, amen. Hey family, thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.